It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. You're listening to Crunch Time. It spills from Cameron. Zach Bailey, he's done it before. All the time in the world. He was never going to miss. Bailey on ice. And scores a level at the Gabba. Cannon hit it hard to Bailey Smith. Can he score? He does. He has kicked a goal. Bailey Smith breaks the deadlock in the forward pockets. A much more convincing kick than his earlier one in the term. And at the end of a breathtaking semi-final, it's the Dogs who are going to topple the Lions and take their place in the final four. An extraordinary semi-final. So for the boys to hang in there and believe, um, believe in what they were doing, we did have to make some adjustments. The boys did just a tremendous job in following their nerves. In round 23, it was a point that decided the top four between the Lions and the Bulldogs. Last night, it was a point that decided an epic semi-final. The Dogs triumphant over the Lions in one for the ages. Yeah, obviously we're extremely disappointed um, that we weren't able to get uh, the result tonight. Uh, we played some good football in patches, but unfortunately, uh, late on in the game, we weren't able to execute well enough to get ourselves uh, to that draw or even to in front, so. We're all flat. Um, you know, we put in a good contest tonight and to, to not come away with the points is, um, is disappointing for us, but it's um, a little hardness going forward to that. All these things in the end help you. Um, once you, look, you take the lessons from the result and, you know, figure out what you could have done better on the night, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll all be flat. It's been a, been a roller coaster year for us, and um, to lose a close one tonight after losing a close one by three points two years ago, we've been so close but yet so far with prelims. We got there last year, but a, a one point loss this year and a three point loss in 2009. Hopefully, that um, beats away at us a little bit and, and makes us better in the future. Big games come down to big moments. And for Brisbane, those moments just did not go their way again in a home final. Now, one and four at the Gabba in September over the last few years. So the prelims are set. The semifinals have been run and won. Heaps on the Sunday crunch time agenda for Athena Home Lines. Ah, yes, indeed. Welcome to Sunday Crunch Time after two massive semi-final nights. Heaps to get through today. Wonderful to have your company, however you're joining us, wherever you're joining us. Great to have you on board. And don't forget, you can get involved all throughout the next couple of hours. 0433 98 11 16 is the text line. And 1300 736 736. Sam Hargraves joined 
uh, by one of the greats of the Purple Haze era, uh, Michael Barlow. Hello to you. Good to see you, Sammy. Good to see you. I was disappointed with Friday night's game, but you watched last night's game. And uh, just quickly remind you how good the game of AFL football is. Thrills, spills, moments that gave you chills, and if Lions fans and players' looks could kill. <laughs> You've gone with that? I'm going with that. Yes, nice. That's my summation, mm. essentially. That was a semi-final for the ages, as we mm. said during the opener. Anything that could possibly happen did. Yep. It had there, – there are more twists and turns coming out of this than an M. Night Shyamalan and Stanley Kubrick film combined. And where to start is, is a great question. We're going to relive the final three minutes uh, as called by Jared Waitley, uh, Anthony Hudson and Nick Del Santo uh, in segment two. So in about uh, sort of 15 minutes' time. So Doggies fans will be up. Yeah, they'll absolutely in. be up for that. Yeah. And Brisbane fans, maybe not so much. But the feedback that we'll get, 0433 98 11 16, will tell a great story and 1300 736 736. So... Let's get into the crunch uh, for the Renault traffic built for business. Last night's game had so many stories, so many mm. narratives to come out of it. But I reckon we should start with the moments that matter and just work our way through them from about the five-and-a-half-minute mark, if, if you want to go through them with me. Mm. So let's start with the mark paid to Marcus Bontempelli. So this this will be a game where people will sit in different places. They'll sit and just enjoy the spectacle for what it was and say, what what a thriller that was. What a, a, a roller coaster ride of emotions, peaks and troughs, to and fro's, momentum swings. It had it all. Mm. There are those who will just focus on umpiring decisions and there are those who will they, just... And there's a fair few out there that do that. There are Very a fair quickly, few out there. Very they, quickly. They, they were prominent, and we'll jump around a little bit, but they were prominent Friday night, weren't they? They were a lot... They were less intrusive last night, the umpires, I felt, and it was... Really? Yeah, I, oh, there was a few big decisions. We've just... And we've got the replay on as we speak. And the, the Lockie Neal holding the ball was, was one for mine. And mm. I feel like they were all right last night. And the, the man in front, Mark, which we'll discuss. So, um, so two big ones, but is that about the norm in, in, a, in an AFL game? Well... It, so there was 47 free kicks paid. The free kick count 19 to 28 in favour of the Western Bulldogs. And that in itself means nothing. The free mm. kick count never has to be even. There's not a rule that says it needs to be. I've been trying to... I've tried to go on a mission to civilise this year and, and, a, and, a, and a mission to try and change the narrative and our perception of umpires and, and treating them like second-class citizens. And I've been very big on the fact that umpires don't really cost you games mm. when you look back on the entirety of a game. Um, there'll be calls that go your way and don't go your way. And sometimes in the crucial moments, they'll, if you think you've been unfairly dealt by, uh, done with, unfairly dealt with, then you will look to that and think, well, that was what cost us the game. And I've got to say that last night <laughs> was the greatest test of my <laughs> new belief <laughs> and my mission that I that I have had in recent times. But at the end of the day, Brisbane had 14 more inside 50s and, oh, yeah. and lose by a point. But, let, yeah. but let's work our way through, back through the, 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 the swings. 68 inside 50s. It's yeah. That's it's, it's big. And, and, and this was – so they go at 49% inside 50 efficiency all year. They're one of the best in the competition in that stat. But they were 40% last night, which yeah. is a credit to the Bulldogs and, and, uh, and does tell a story for the Lions that they'll have to look at when they review it. But with 5.42 on the clock, so these are just some of the moments. And, and we talked about big games come down to big moments, Michael Barlow. You know this all too well, uh, playing in a grand final in 2013, where if a few different things had a gone 
Fremantle's mm. way, then maybe there's a different story around that Hawthorne era. But mm. it wasn't to be. And last night it wasn't to be for the Lions. But any one of these things could have gone differently. So the Marcus Bontempelli mark that could have been paid man in front to Oscar McInerney. Could have and should have. Or just a play on at the very mm. least. So he goes back and, and I like the, the I like the play on. Again, discussion for another day. But to the letter of the law, that's Oscar McInerney's mark. And despite not mm. pretty much having his fingertips on it, he is in front. Yeah. And you see it, you see it bad all the time. So then at five at four thirty six, so Bontebelli kicks a point. So at four thirty six, Caleb Daniel, the insufficient intent um <laughs> call that went against him, which might have been the square up to the McInerney one just before half time, <laughs> which Oscar yeah. McInerney handballed over the line. Uh, I think that was just a misfire on the handball rather than trying to take it out. Um so the insufficient intent to Caleb Daniel. Now, I don't want to focus on the call there. I want to focus on the decision made oh, yep. of Lockie Neal <laughs> to take the kick. One of the stat? With Cameron, <laughs> Charlie Cameron lurking. Now, I know Lockie oh, Neal, your great mate, is yeah. a Brownlow medalist. He's got, the, he's got the Brownlow. But only Tom Hawkins has kicked more goals than Charlie Cameron in the last three years, mm. and he eats those for breakfast, left forward pocket, Lockie Neal gets it skinny and he gets it narrow and shallow. And looked devoid of the confidence to kick the goal, didn't he? He did a little bit. One, so, once that, once he'd, I think, summoned or, or rationalised what had happened, was he was like, oh, Charlie is here. I should give it to Charlie. But now I've got the ball in my hand and the old token, I've got the lollipop. <laughs> yeah. I've, already, I've already licked it. I've already licked the lollipop. In his mind, he'd already <laughs> taken the kick, I reckon. But And then just before that, there was a, a free kick that could have been paid, a McCarthy tackle on Wood where he threw it out. Mm. Again, that doesn't get paid, and, and you wonder what might have been there. The next one is the free kick that goes against... So, oh, so a lot then, of umpiring decisions in the last five and a half minutes. It's so your... then after that, there was the with 3.33, uh, the Zorko out of bounds on the full. Uh, then they work it up the ground, the dogs. Rich takes a mark that's called touched. Mm. And then there's a stoppage. They went it back the Lions and about to go back inside forward 50. They got a free kick of their own. About to go back inside forward 50. And then a free kick gets paid against McCarthy in an entanglement with Keith, who looked to have thrown an arm back. And as McCarthy was going down, he dragged Keith down with him. So then it gets downfield. Three minutes to play. Lions about to go inside forward 50 at that time. Now, it goes back into the middle. At 2.26, McRae drags it in, and they'd been really hot on the drag in all game, hadn't they? Yeah, well, Lockie Neal didn't even drag it in. I reckon he was, yep. it was dragged in on him, and he tries to get out, and he made yep. the play holding the ball, and then, yeah, the flipper happens to McRae. And so that doesn't happen. And just before that, though, the Lions are breaking and miss a handball. So there's a, just a tiny little skill error that if that... So I'm, I'm not pointing these out to say the Lions should have won or shouldn't have won or that West, Western Bulldogs should have won or shouldn't have won. I'm just talking about these little moments that if they had gone a different way and then from that McRae dragging Smith to show the ice in the veins and then show the crowd the ice in the veins with two minutes to go and you think, well, that's it. Is that what he was doing? That's it, what he was doing, was... ice in the veins. That's <laughs> what that was. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a bold call. I don't, all, all, every, with everything going on in the world, I'm not sure if it was vaccination type of Well, And, and, he, was doing his, and he was doing his bit to say, go and get vaxxed. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a social <laughs> conscience. I can only imagine when... Um, I can only imagine... When he was doing that, that there were certain people at AFL House going, what, 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 what's, what's that, what's that, what's yeah. that? Oh, I get yeah. it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we just we'll go quickly through these. Then Zach Bailey, I mean, steps through traffic, moped in peak hour. He he levels it up. 
Then with a minute oh five on the clock, there's the ruck infringement against McInerney. Now, that's what he'd been doing all game. He'd been looking to to nullify the yep. jump of Go Young early, yeah. and take it himself out of the yeah, ruck. Sorry, yeah. Didn't read it in the, in the air. So makes the block but doesn't touch the ball. Yeah. So by the letter, it's probably... It's there, oh, yeah. But did it need to be paid? He just missed getting a fingertip on it. 50 seconds to go. Vandermeer, that point. Bailey Smith's instrumental in that because he comes from the other way and forces it forward. Vandermeer quickly gets it on the boot. So there's half a metre either side. It's great for your, it's great for your IQ, and, and you're doing a great job running through all of it. That, that, and we'll get to that point. That is yep. great for your IQ because I don't think footballers understand at times the, the big moments and, and little situations that, that, that are there to be taken. And Vandermeer took mm. it. And, and he just took it. And Absolutely. Would, in, you know, if that's five minutes to go in the second quarter, you're trying to keep that in and flick it back inside to get a handball to a player that might kick a goal, understand the game. Leif Vandermeer, the boy from Marupna, terrific footy IQ. Yeah, and, and, and this is the thing. Someone's saying, oh, we're, I'm out of here. You're umpire bashing. Not at all. We're talking about moments mm. that uh, toss of the coin moments. So even mm. Bailey Smith's goal, which was an incredible finish, and you make a great point that the Dogs just took their opportunities mm. when they had them. They, uh, they had 14 less inside 50s, but they were much more efficient and, going forward. And there was a bit about the 2016 Dogs that I was watching last night. You're watching – there's a point. It's at, the game's on now. We're kind of watching it as it goes. Five minutes ago, third quarter, Lions up by 12, looking to kick away in game, set, match. Yep. And you watch the demeanour of a Lockie Hunter. I always think, and you watch the demeanour of these guys, they're unfazed, they're unflappable. Mm. And that that told the longer the game went. Yep. It, it, I thought this, this will end up being a four or five goal win to Brisbane. And you watch, you're looking for some energy or some, some edginess from Bulldogs, but it's not there because they just, you know, whatever, next moment, next moment. And when that moment comes... Like you're saying, they take the moments, which is which is unbelievable. So then with 35 seconds left, Cameron and Jure, one-on-one chasing a ball, trailing into the left forward pocket. Charlie looking for the bounce. Mm. He might have gone off the ground. He might have done a whole lot of things. But Jure was phenomenal in just keeping harassing, keeping the pressure, not infringing. He didn't panic. Career was so over. He didn't grab a jumper. Career was over 18 months ago, Taylor Jure. Yeah. It was it was over. Where were we sitting? Late, late last year, wasn't it? He, he, he's... Now got another contract going into next year, and and that that is it. Luke Beveridge, the match committee, everyone sees little moments and just not giving up on moments. So Taylor Dre yeah. right now is lights out. You you give him a roll. Ooh, you oh, give there him, we go. You, gi- going down. you give him a roll, and he'll go and do the roll. Absolutely. So that's a massive 50-50 win that they get. Six seconds to go. Dane Zorko out of bounds on the full. The pressure was fantastic from the three dogs midfielders around. If they didn't get that bump on, that kick might have gone on the outside of the boot rather on the inside. And then with six seconds left, you run the risk of a mark being taken what would have been only probably 20 metres out just about directly in front. But the clock winds down and the dogs get the win. And all these moments in the last five and a half minutes, that's what made it such an exciting game. And People... Marcus Bondapelli's on the bench uh, for, the, for the end of the game and no one knows what's going on with his injury. So, so there's, there's a few little subplots, isn't there, with... Um... And... With the way the game finishes. And there's people that are having a fair crack saying you're bagging that. We're not. What we're saying is that this game was so exciting, it came down to little moments. And and those little moments told a great story in the match. The most compelling thing for me, though, Mickey B, was that the Lions were 18 points up with 25 and a half minutes played in the third quarter. The Dogs kicked the last of that quarter and then they kicked the first three. So a four-goal run, that was essentially to me the, the catalyst. Mm. And the early stages of the game showed that, that both sides had a capacity to score quickly, didn't they? Yeah. So 
what we're seeing in AFL football at the moment is is exactly that. There's big patches of defence and there's big patches of non-scoring and intrigue and, and between the arcs. But then there's the ability of sides to score really quickly. We The round 23 match, uh, Geelong and Melbourne. You know, Geelong being out and about and up by six or seven goals and, and Melbourne coming. Last night, the first 20 minutes of the game was just bang, goal, bang, yep. goal, bang, goal. And that happened. And, and I reckon Luke Beveridge sits there with his boys and, the, and that unflappable nature of, of the dogs is, don't worry, yeah, we're down by two or three, but we we can not not so much flick the switch, but the switch, uh, it, it's in us to just go bang and, and get things moving really quickly. So... It was a it was a phenomenal game. We talked about that the minute difference between them actually getting top four in ladder position at the end of the year, fourth or fifth, fourth, fifth or fourth. Yeah. How they finished, it just shows that sample size of twenty three rounds does its work. Semi final night last night, and it's amazing you can really drop your bundle, which is one of the things I respect about the Western Bulldogs. And and Luke Beveridge said that we're not playing a victim mentality here for all the travel that they've got to do for what happened with those 25 seconds left that the Lions got on the clock that got them that point to get them in so they could have thrown the the, the, the toys out of the cot mm. but but in the end they continue to put themselves into situations where you, you you if you do get the break of a of a what could be a, a toss of a coin moment that you're on the right side of it so they they should be incredibly proud of how they've responded. Loving watching Luke Beveridge coach as well at the moment. Notice yep. last week against Essendon, uh, elimination final, he came down to the bench for little periods. That the 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 broadcaster followed him down, and everyone was like, "What's he doing here?" And you know, he's down. He, he sees something that needs to be fixed. He goes down. Yep. And last night it happened as well. And it happened again. We're, we're just watching as we as we um, go to where five minutes ago, third quarter. Lions running away with the game. Luke Beveridge goes down to the bench, and then he's back up in the box for the for the rest of the game. Yeah. But there's moments in games. It was about the same time last week that he went down. Essendon were coming, so there, there's there's a fair bit there to to really ad, uh, admire um, what's happening in terms of the Western Bulldogs and and how they're going about this. Is there's shades and the doggies fans that the 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 fiercest of doggies fans. They smell a 2016 type uh, rise here, I reckon. I think they do, and and there's we'll talk a bit more about Marcus Pontempelli, and is that just a knock to the knee, or was that a hamstring? They won't have Cody Waitman. Uh, you're having all kinds of trouble with your microphone. Um, Cody Waitman, of course. Uh, there was a it looked like a bump off the ball, or or, or even it just looked like a block In- where he, he ran into the shoulder of uh, Marcus Adams, and I, I I've got to have another look at it to see if there's any case to answer for there. Um, you don't because there's not. Okay, so he won't play next week. So the selection issue for them, and Mitch Wallace is going to be high on everybody's agenda. So heaps to talk through uh, about that. Mm. Um, but but when it mattered most, the, the dogs were able to to take the opportunities that arose mm. um, far better than what the Lions were. And and as we say, so we're trying to encompass everything that went on in that last five and a half minutes just to show you how on a knife's edge that whole period of time was. Uh, and we've got heaps of text coming through that we'll get through as well. Bruce is in Parkdale who wants to ha- have a quick word. Bruce, hello to you, mate. Hey, uh, look, it was a great game last night, but the gavel lends itself to if you clear it from the centre bounce, you can get a good, quick, easy goal. But if you don't and it goes into the field of play, goals just dry up. It's just... It's, for the last two years, with COVID and that and watching it there, that's... That's what happens. If you can't get it out quick, then you're in a foul of a fight. Mm, absolutely. 
It's a it's a wide ground. There's a there's deep wings, but you get it out of the center. Like like any 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 ground, you you win center center clearance with six six six. You give yourself a real opportunity. We saw that in the first fifteen to twenty minutes last night. Out of the center, bang, take your opportunity inside forward fifty, and you give yourself a real chance. So it's a really good call. It's a it's a ground that you can get lost out on the wings a, a lot. Uh, the Gabba um, and last night uh, showed that Brisbane play it very very well. But to, to one point, uh, uh, the, the Doggies played it just a little bit better last night. Uh, Rowan's in Dandenong. G'day, Rowan. Rowan, you're on the air, mate. Call in. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, just two things that, um, in regards to last night's game. The first quarter, Danaher and Cameron kicked four goals between them. The remaining three quarters, zero, right? And I'll tell you what was refreshing last night. I'm a North Melbourne supporter. A Brisbane player who could have claimed to touch the ball, he didn't. The fact that he didn't even question and he would have, you know, he was honest as the day is long and he didn't challenge it or anything, I thought that was refreshing as well from watching a football-type, you know, game where everyone's, oh, I touched this and let's have a score of you. But the three-quarter thing with Danaher and Cameron, I reckon, you know, the Bulldogs to shut them down after that first quarter, well done. Yeah, well said, Rowan, and thank you for the call. And uh, there was a, a score review that I didn't think was going to get overturned that did. Um, so that was another, just there was just little moments all the way through. And Mickey B, as we go to a break, it just goes to show that people will hear things through different, obviously through different ears, but through a, uh, I suppose, a different filter. And we see things through a different filter, and it's all in the eye of the beholder. So one text from John. Sorry, the way you're framing this is absolutely umpire bashing. They were three quarters fantastic umpiring decisions late. They weren't moments. They were great decisions, allowing the footy to be uh, decided properly. That's from John. Mm. Um, and then this. Boys, you're kidding yourselves if you don't think the Lions were robbed. Umps cost them the game. Uh, umps have been horrible all finals. So um, we aren't saying one thing or another, unless you want to say that no, one team no. or another. No, I thought I thought Friday night the umpires had a big impact. Oh, th- last night, they're always going to have impact. And now that the lens is on, there's two games a weekend and we're going to move into a grand final where there's one game and every little aspect of games you know, is, is just magnified. So... Um, no, not at all, uh, umpire bashing. I think, I think they're doing a terrific job because they're on the line and their their responsibility is to get themselves into preliminary finals themselves as well. What we're doing is highlighting moments that could have gone either way and the way that they panned out and the impact that they had. We're going to hear the last three minutes after this as called by Gerard Waitley, Anthony Hudson and Nick Del Santo and it's all for the Renault, the Renault traffic. Keep your business moving with 30,000 kilometre service interval. Sunday crunch time for Athena Home Loans. After the break, we'll be back. Liberatore's told to go, off a step. He launches to half-forward. Lions have got three in the air. What's underfoot? They've got numbers there as well. Zorko, not a great hand pass, though, back into dispute. Dale just lay on that footy. That's holding the ball every day of the week, except when it scores a level and there's 2.24 to go in a semi-final. Well, I don't know why Zorko tried to bypass the rich handball. Boss hurt. He is crumpled. And surrounded by medical staff. Liberatore trying everything to knock it on, and he does. Johannesson inside 50. Lester folds back in front of Norton. Ball is loose. Hannon hit it hard to Bailey Smith. Can he score? He does. He has kicked a goal. Bailey Smith breaks the deadlock in the forward pockets. A much more convincing kick than his earlier one in the term. 
And the Dogs lead it by six. There was some exaggerated celebration in all of that, oh, which the yeah. meaning might come out as time ice, goes along. I think, uh, I, I'm guessing it's ice in my veins would be the indication right. of what he was doing there. That left-footed kick from the boundary line. So that's three for Bailey Smith in the game. Oh, my. Wow. And they're in front by six and maybe headed for a preliminary final. Not yet, though, as they restart in the middle. There's bodies everywhere. Liberatore couldn't get connection. Ball, they shout. In your boots, says the umpire. Over the top goes Zorko. He's claimed by Dunkley. Prolonged appeals. And Matt Stebick, the man of last week, coolly comes in. The bond looks better, but he doesn't look like he's going to get... He's going to be a spectator to the end, I suspect. His team's in front for now. The Ruckman lock hands, whatever energy they've got left. Tap down to McRae. He kicks it forward. One more might do it for the Bulldogs, but Gardner was the last man standing. He quickly identifies what's ahead. It's a challenging mark. McCarthy used his height. They plot the path. A handball to McCluggage. It's high. The dogs knock each other over. It spills from Cameron. Zach Bailey. He's done before all the time in the world he was never gonna miss Bailey on ice and scores a level at the Gabba oh this place it delivers every single time there's still a minute 14 to go how good <laughs> the mark on center wing from McCarthy's, the handball comes off. It's just this surge mentality. Dogs have got the extra number behind the football. Little tap up from Charlie. Oh, what a step. And Bailey weaves away, away through the traffic. <laughs> Keep Woo! it together, Dale. Centre bounce goals oh. have been the determining oh. factor. And there's, there's a minute 14 for either side oh. to conjure the winner. Oh, Joel's just had a heart attack <laughs> out the back. Get the heart pills, Joey. 78 each of two. An extraordinary semi-final on AFL Nation for Athena Home Loans. Bounced in the centre of the Gabba. High ball. Neither Ruckman touched it. Free kick against McInerney to English for shepherding the Dogs Ruckman away. English, she's got to go. Gets under the kick. Dogs converge. It clears Hannon. Get all Bailey Smith almost onto it. Ball is loose. Vandermeer trickles it through from behind. Just as Link McCarthy did in the same spot to claim a place in the top four. Rich, go. It's all go. Straight down the middle. To the middle, the dogs try and get the spoil on the Bulldogs, but it's thrust forward by McCarthy. Here goes Cameron. Kicks it out in front of Duray. It's up to you, Duray. Duray was able to get it to the line. They plead to the umpire. This oh, time, well done, he holds. And it's going to be a throw-in. The Bulldogs lead by one point. But Brisbane are deep in attack. And they know how to get this behind, Hutto. You've called this before. <laughs> it's a throw-in in the forward pocket. McInerney in English. The tap down McInerney. Where's Cameron? He's deprived of the ball. Caleb Daniel kicked it. Could have gone anywhere. It went to Rourke Smith. And he takes the mark with 20 seconds. The clock is counting down. And the clock doesn't care. Long on the way out. Territory is the dog's friend. They all fly. Spiked away by Adams. McCarthy off to Zorko. Kicked it out on the full. He had to hook it to the teeth of goal. And it went out on the full. 
They displaced the dogs in the tightest of circumstances at the end of the home and away. And at the end of a breathtaking semi-final, it's the dogs who are going to topple the Lions and take their place in the final four. An extraordinary semi-final. The dogs win it at the Gabba. It's delirium for them. On the field and in the box, they found a way. The Vanderbeer behind becomes part of folklore at Witten Oval. And they go on to face Port Adelaide in a prelim. And for the Lions, it's gut-wrenching again at home. They're out in straight sets. The best in the business, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Nick Del Santo as well. That's how you heard it last night. The final three minutes. Michael Barlow, welcome back to Sunday Crunch Time for Athena Home Loans. Kick your home loan goals at athena.com.au. The wildest, I think, last five, six minutes of a game that I can remember seeing uh, in a quarter that was that and a whole lot more as well. It was all happening. It was all happening and it was very, very well called. The best in the business. You, you, you sum it very well up there. The Vandermeer point and just understanding the moments. We, we, we've gone off the top with it. For, for half an hour, we've discussed little moments, little moments, little moments. And it's so easy to, yeah, broadcast forward to the last five minutes because that's everyone. That, that's what the, the average punter looks at the last five minutes mm. and thinks all these are, what if this ball bounced that way? What about that freak? That happens across the whole season, really. We mentioned these sides finished fourth and fifth, separated by what in mm. terms of percentage? By the minutest of percentage. And then they play a game last night which replicates and lives up to, to all of those similarities. And you're fantastic. I love talking to you, Sam, and, and previewing games. What's your philosophy around who you tip? Uh, so I, as a bit of fun, will like to just go through as they're named Make, put the magnets up. Put the magnets Who up as they're, named on the tw- as they're named 22v22. They're in line with each other on the AFL app. So I just look at the, the matchup and think who, I'm gonna, who I think will win that matchup as they're named and then just score them for points. And whoever has the most points is who I, t- and, and usually, who I tend to tip. And usually the, the, last night it was the 22nd player, the, the bench players that, that you, know, you marry mm. them up and you think who wins that contest and, and who did win that contest. Goes a long way to win the game. It came down last night to the subs as well. Yep. Johannesson comes on, kicks a goal. Leicester, so even to that point, like Johannesson comes on, a bit of luck or however you want to – Waitman goes out as a forward. Johannesson comes on. He's been playing forward all year. The the, the Lions, um, well, they lose a couple, don't they? Berry goes off and they're, they're down in rotation late as well in terms of him not being available. But Leicester comes on, usually plays defence, has to go play forward. So they just put his magnet wherever they need to replace. So all the little moments, all the little uh, connotations marry up to – to a very, very close game, uh, which goes the way of the dogs. Yeah, and you're right. There were, And as we've tried to point out, there were coin toss moments throughout the whole game. There was a, a Marcus Bontempelli goal that didn't get allowed because the goal actually turned it over when I didn't think there was sufficient evidence to say that they should have. Um, so that's the whole beauty of this is that there were coin toss moment after coin toss moment and it could have gone either way, and then we get we finish up with a one-point margin uh, in the end. There's a heap of texts coming through, which we'll address those, uh, because there's a, a, still a couple of people that think we're blaming umpires. We're absolutely not. Um, umpires, I've said all year, don't lose you a game. Uh, I think Chris Fagan, and we'll hear from him, his view on the umpires very soon. Um, the plus 14 inside 50s that they had and the four-goal run that they let the dogs go on. And that was a story of the night too, Michael Barlow. We'll talk more about that whenever the Lions got a run, 
The dogs are able to pin them back. And the dogs' main run came either side of three-quarter time and the Lions just weren't able to put a stop to it until it ended up being uh, a little bit too late. So it was a wild, wild night. And keep sending your thoughts through on it. I'll tell you who's wild, Adam Cooney. We're looking forward to chatting to the former dog. We'll speak to him uh, after this. Um... You know, it's a tough game to umpire. Um, and I haven't looked at the tape. And sometimes you need the benefit of that to, um, before you make a comment. Either whether the umpires made an error or whether we were poorly disciplined. Um, so I, I can't really comment accurately on that. Chris Fagan, the Lions coach, always the pragmatist. Uh, after the game last night, the one-point loss to the Western Bulldogs, uh, he was asked about the umpiring calls, and there's been a lot of discussion around those, and there's a heap coming through uh, off the text, uh, either for or against what went down last night. Mitch Robinson actually tweeted, you'll like this, Michael Barlow, I wrote three tweets last night, didn't post, mature, no fines. <laughs> So he wrote four because he posted the fourth. Well, yeah, he posted the fourth <laughs> just to let us know that he didn't post the other three. Yeah. Um, look, it is a talking point, um, but it was a... What's he doing tweeting when he's just finished his season? He should be at the bar. Well, I don't know. Buying, well, buying himself a beer and getting on with it. Well, I'm, I'm, well what time was that? That was 12.01pm. They would have just been leaving the rooms at around then, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's, uh, and it's something you, you don't you don't uh, don't really understand is when you finish your season in a night game, it's tough. Because day games are good. You finish, you've got plenty of plenty of the night to go. Mm. Night games, you go home and, and what happens, they probably butter up today. We're getting into Mad Monday territory here. They just have a good Sunday into their Monday. But, yeah, night games, a lot to lot to dwell on. Adam Cooney won a Brownlow medal whilst with the Western Bulldogs. Uh, he would have been playing, paying close attention to that game last night since I think he was doing uh, one of the AFL Nation calls of it. Uh, Adam Cooney's been good enough to jump on with us. Hello, mate. Why are you two annoying me on my Sunday and it's Father's Day? What do you want? How has your Father's oh, Day yeah, gone, Adam? We haven't wished all the fathers a happy Father's yeah, Day. happy Father's Day, Adam. And uh, your kids, you've got about uh, six or seven of them out there on the farm at Geelong. Are they on the BMX and doing some doing some cartwheels and some, some loop, loop-de-loops? Cartwheels on a BMX. You <laughs> won't see Michael Bello commentating the X Games anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, uh, just the three kids that I know about, Michael, uh, <laughs> at this stage. So, no, it was a delightful morning. I got the usual uh, jocks and socks combo. I got a new, I got a new pair of Crocs as well. Oh, so, dear. Um, that was probably a highlight. Then I uh, had some bacon and eggs for breakfast and then just awaiting, uh, I'll probably watch the races this afternoon and have a couple of cold ones. <laughs> Go me. Go you indeed. What did you make of the game last night? That was shocking, wasn't it? That was terrible. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I can't think of a better game of footy that I've watched in the last few years, to yep. be honest with you. It, it, it had everything, didn't it, really? I mean, I thought that it was played at breakneck speed in the first half, and the Lions looked really good. They kicked five goals in the first quarter, but they didn't capitalise enough on their opportunities early. And I made the comment during the AFL Nation call about halfway through the second quarter, if the dogs could just hang on, into half time, I thought it could suit them going into the second half, and it changed from just a blistering pace up and back. You didn't want to kick a point because he's basically knew in the first half that it was going from defensive fifty into attacking fifty for the opposition. It was a great game of footy. It was a it was a great first half, but then the war of attrition came out, turned into a more contested style of game. So Lions ended up plus fourteen inside fifty. So they dominated that area of the game. Dogs win contested ball and. Um, generally, you can't 
read too much into it in terms of contested footy, but I thought the dogs were just a little bit harder around the footy. Uh, there's been a lot made about free kicks and umpires needing to put their whistles away, but I just thought it was a fantastic contest between two sides, and that is how you want to play football. And there's another team in the uh, top four at the moment that's playing in a prelim, which uh, doesn't play quite as attractive football as what we saw last night between the Lions and the Dogs. Talk to us about the psyche of the the Dogs. You're a former Dogs champion, a Brownlow medalist at that football club, but watching them last night, and, and they had no right, like you said, the stats, you look at the stats in terms of, of domination of ground position, it was all the Lions, but the Dogs just continue to butter up and, and get to work, and they never feel like they're out of it. And their body language and their demeanour just says, we're still in this and we're going to keep coming, as they did last night. Uh, yeah, because they've got so many uh, good midfielders and inside players and they've got uh, class on the outside. So they And they work so hard back into defence as well. So it was really hard to score after quarter time because, uh, I'm not going to call it a flood, but just they, they put their head down, the midfielders, to work back as hard as they can to outnumber and also work forward. So, I mean, Jack McRae, he's had a lot of 40 game, um, uh, forty disposal games this year, but I didn't quite get to 40 last night, but I thought it was his most influential high 30s game that he had. I mean, game high inside 50s, 11 clearances, 800 metres gained. Yeah. I thought sometimes he racks them up and you, can't, you don't really notice him, but I thought he was hugely influential last night. And I think that the psyche of the Western Bulldogs is because when they are so fierce, uh, around the footy, and a player like Tommy Liberatore starts well and kicks a couple, and then they all, they always feel like they're in the contest because they've got so many barometer type players. Coons, I, I love what you said about Jackson McRae. I, I can't remember seeing him play a better game. Um, there's a, the, the the criticism of him has always been that he'll get you for forty, but he'll only get maybe four hundred meters from them. But last night he went at about he went at twenty meters per disposal. He was as damaging as you'd ever see, and they, I, I was surprised that the Lions didn't put someone to him at least after half time. Uh, he he just t- absolutely torched them every opportunity. He just kept running forward and running forward, and he hurt them time and time again. And those nine score involvements that you mentioned, I, I thought that might have been an area that the Lions will look back on and think, "Geez, maybe we should have done something differently there." Well, yeah, no doubt. But uh, I suppose leading into it, you think, well, maybe he's just an accumulator and he's not going to hurt you as much as Bontempelli or Tommy Liberatore inside. So they had someone checking Tommy pretty closely and, and then Bont lifted and then Jack McRae had his best four-quarter performance, I thought, of the year. And then you throw in a guy like Caleb Daniel who was stiff to miss out on the top three um, votes in terms of uh, best players on the ground last night. He had 31, and mm. every time he had the ball in his hand off halfback, something magical happened. If I'm a Western Bulldogs midfielder and you see Caleb Daniel, who's got it in the, on the halfback line, you just run a little 45-degree angle into the middle of the ground into a pocket of space, and he just hits you up every time. So they got so much drive and scoring attack from his ball use off halfback. I thought he was tremendous. Can you remember seeing a game that crammed so many what might have been moments uh, into, especially in that last quarter, especially in the last six minutes. But can you remember a game that had so many what-if moments and and so many moments that have got uh, uh, such a divide in how they're viewed? I mean, we're looking at the text coming through at the moment, Coons, and it is as split as you will see with people saying, don't you you dare blame umpires, dogs deserve to win, and then the other side is, 
I'm not a Lions fan, but Lions were robbed. I mean, it is as divisive <laughs> as I've seen it, but there were just so many of those what-if moments and, and, and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. So, you yeah, look back to... So, Harris Andrews went forward in the last quarter and had an opportunity to kick one, the one-on-one uh, with Taylor Duray and Charlie Cameron, who completely burnt off Eastern Wood in the first half when the ball got out the back. So that's the loneliest place on earth in defensive 50, one-on-one with Charlie Cameron when the ball's on the deck. And I thought it was a huge moment from Taylor Drake to win that battle and get it out of bounds. And then the Vandermeer point, the Dane Zorko kick with about 20 seconds to go that just slewed off the side of the boot and then went out of bounds on the fall. If he had another half a second, just just compose himself, the drop punt to the top of the square and then... Um, the out-of-bounds on the full, I think it was from Zorko yep. again, that just slid around the other side of the post. I mean, there was five or six opportunities for, for both sides uh, in the last quarter. And we haven't even got to um, D'Angelo Smith yet with ice in his veins with that finish on the left. <laughs> he had a nice night, uh, Smith, didn't he? But hey, let- first time he's ever kicked three goals in a game. Yeah, 27 and three. Let's talk about Waitman is going out. Adam Cooney, you're on match committee. The magnets are up. Is it Johannesson? Is it Mitch Wallace? What's the move they make next week? Well, I think JJ will come into the starting lineup. Uh, I think when he came on, he made a real impact. He could have had two um, just before three-quarter time. So I think his speed will be valuable against Port Adelaide, uh, who can run and can use the ball pretty swiftly through the middle of the ground. So I think he'll come in. I don't know where they go, uh, whether they go with Mitch Wallace. Um, it depends what type of player they need. And... If JJ comes in and plays that forward role, I just don't know if Mitch has, has played uh, enough footy to be able to give him that medi sub. Maybe he only needs a quarter and a half. And, and what position does he play? Does he come on as a forward? Does he come on to try and help out the midfield? It's just unfortunate. Like Cody Waitman looked as chipper as chipper after the game. Mm. And he was pointing throughout the game. So it looked like only a, a really minor um, concussion in terms of a protocol. So, I mean, 12 days is... We understand the protocols now and why they do it, but oh god, it's uh, he's unbelievably stiff, the young fella. Hopefully, they get into a grand final, he can and he can perform on the big stage. Adam Cooney, uh, go and enjoy your Father's Day, please. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to speak to both of you. The Brown medalist uh, and very happy father today. Uh, he would have hung Adam up by Cooney. now. He would be. He would have hung up by now. Himself. We need to get a quick break away and come back with our Furphy Unbelievable month. Furphy refreshing out. Unbelievable. That's next on Sunday Crunch Time. Three against Steen. Around he goes and he's able to work it through with his right boot for the right result. Oh, Bobby Hill went for the spectacular. Didn't mark, but he wasn't out of it. He pats it forward to DeBoer and still Hill comes and it sits for him eventually. This had left them. Oh, what a fine goal from Bobby Hill to energise the Giants. He went searching for love in the crowd. He found his family somewhere. What a finals goal from Bobby Hill. Shane Mumford's right forward pocket. Mumford threads it through, and they'll try to take the energy of that. Got the court side taped up. He took a long time, and he got it right. He kicked his third. Tom Hawkins for a handful. He thumps it through. Five for Hawkins. And he sends Geelong to another preliminary final. And the Cats bounce back to get through to a 12th preliminary final since 2004. An incredible achievement. They've defeated the best the Giants could throw at them. They had to work hard, but they got there. Yeah, it's satisfying. We've played better. 
Um, we, we knew we needed to, but we have been a pretty consistent unit over a long period of time and have great confidence that our best footy is hard to beat. And we were closer to that tonight. So it's a little bit of a circuitous route, but we're where we want to be. It was pretty clear to us from late in the season that we were going to play our finals in Perth. Um, so the equation's still the same for us. Win three games in Perth. We're excited at that opportunity. So the Cats uh, turn around uh, another week one finals loss into another semi-final win, Michael Barlow. It's an extraordinary um, polarity between their week one and week two finals form. And uh, they got a strong 35-point win over the Giants. So I, I think that I don't it, it, the scoreboard didn't flatter Geelong, but I don't think it gives enough credit to how good the Giants actually were as undermanned yeah. as they were. Um, but the Cats got back in form and... I'd love to know from you, and we are going to still talk more about the Lions. Uh, uh, one, uh, sorry, the Western Bulldogs one point win over the Lions last night on Sunday crunch time for Athena Home Loans. Kick your home loan goals at athena.com.au, and there's a heap of text for us to get through. Uh, if you're just joining us, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Happy Father's Day to all the dads uh, out there, and for those who are still with us, and for those who have left us. Um, I just want to know from you, Michael Barlow, was that a much more enjoyable to watch cat side? Yeah, I I think they got the result. Cats fans, it's it's an edgy week. If you lose that, first, which Cats fans are getting used to, very used to, you lose mm. that first week of the finals, you give yourself the opportunity of a double chance. And what I really went back to late last week was early in the week, I was like, oh, the Cats are really in trouble here. And you always look at the, the side that loses out of that top four as very vulnerable. And the side that comes off a win, like um, the Doggies did and the Giants do, you think the rubber's hitting the road on what they're doing and they're, they're ready to go. So you, you do get seduced by that team coming in with the form, but the Toby Green situation, all of that, all all eyes were pointing to the Cats saying, you just need to get this done. Mm. And it's there, and there's no reason that the Giants should be winning this game. And they just show that. I think it was a mature performance from, from Geelong responding after their uh, week one loss. So how do you then view it? Do you look at it and go, right, Geelong back to their best, or do no, you take yeah. into consideration, geez, the Giants had a lot out, uh, no Toby Green, no Jesse Hogan. That could have equated to the six goals needed. Mm. Uh, for them to to be sort of neck and neck in this, um, how do you view it? I view it as as the cats just getting a little bit of their mojo back, and, just a little bit, and just a little bit, and enough to suggest that again, prelims are the best weeks of the AFL for, uh, season for mine. The yeah. prelims are if you look at cats versus um, Melbourne, and I called the game for AFL Nation, the cats and uh, the demons in that round twenty three game, and. If you get half the game that that was and all the, the twists and turns of that game, then we're going to have a, have an absolute ripper. I love the fact – I watched Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins working in sync. And it was Tom Hawkins who kicks five on the weekend. Jeremy Cameron kicks a couple and, and he's involved. That That's formidable. And they – you can nearly see the frustration between that, that mix that they haven't got it fully going yet. And – on one of these days, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop. And it might be a prelim. It might be a grand final where it just pops. And you'd, you'd think – to get the result on the weekend, you need to pop this weekend with the lever, the May situation in the back half of the Demons. So the Cats had five goals to halftime instead of five goals to full-time, which was much better. It seemed that there was more urgency with the ball movement, mm. which, was, which again makes it a more enjoyable spectacle uh, to watch. And when they had more urgency with the ball movement, Michael Barlow, it, it gave Hawkins, Cameron and Rowan far more opportunity. Yeah. When I say far more... It was 49 inside 50s this week to 45 last week, but the real difference statistically was the 59% efficiency going inside this week as opposed to 38 last week. So yeah. Hawkins gets five, Cameron and Rowan get two. 
Um, it was much better offensively, yeah. I thought. They were more dog-hungry in their front half in terms of on the uh, ground level. So the ball hit the ground this week and there was there was pressure, there was mm. there was tenacity. The, the inclusion of Zach Tui oh. is, is an incredible one because what Absolutely. they did last week was, uh, where are we going to get our ball use off half-back from um, without Tom Stewart, without Zach Tui? They pushed Mitch, Mitch, uh, Mitch Duncan's magnet back. And last night, Zach Tui comes in. Oh, sorry. Friday night comes in, has 30 possessions off halfback, uses it brilliantly. The meter's gained. Yes. Personnel yes. helps. Person, personnel is so important this time of year and the health of that. So Zach Tui coming in. He's not a stuff around with it type of player either. He doesn't want to go sideways, Zach Tui. No. Yeah, I the love urgen- that. urgency of when he gets, bang. I'm, I'm looking yeah. up and I'm, I'm looking to advance, advance the ball. So that allows like, – so Mitch Duncan wasn't, wasn't terrific on, on Friday night, but he was really good – in, in a losing side the week before. So it just allows players to to play their role um, more confidently. Sam Menangola was a lot better in, in that match. So it's, it's very personnel-based for Geelong. They need their best doing the, the grunt work. The, the player 16 to 22, with all due respect to Geelong, it, it, it's, that's, their, that's their gap. That's their liability at the moment. They need their big boys going, of which they got to work on Friday night. Phone lines are open, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A ton of texts that I am going to read out before we get to this break. But can we just give some Sunday love? Always. I'm all about the Sunday love. You, uh, we're going to bring this segment back. Uh, Sunday love, where you just want to give uh, wrap your arms around somebody, uh, sing their praises from the rooftops. Joel Selwood becomes the game's record holder outright uh, mm-hmm. at Geelong. For the second oldest club in the competition, this is, an inc- this is a significant milestone. I think really does need to be celebrated even more so maybe than we have. Pick seven in the 2006 draft, the, the six teams that went above Geelong in that draft all believed that his knees wouldn't hold up to the rigours of AFL football. And 333 games later, he has made fools of all of them. Mm. Um, none more so than probably Hawthorne at the pick <laughs> uh, ahead of him. But he sits now above Enright, Nankervis, Bartel, you know, Hawkins, Newman, you know, some of the great names at the Geelong Footy Club. He sits at the very top of the tree for games. Played three premierships. He's played in the fourth most wins in history um, behind Bartlett, Burgoyne and Tuck. He's played in the second most finals and will equal Michael Tuck next week. He's got the most wins with another teammate in Tom Hawkins. That was their 200th win together. Six-time All-Australian, four-time Robert Rose, three-time Best and Fairest, Captain since 2012. He's got the ninth most Brownlow votes in history, the second most without winning behind Scott Pendlebury. Tough, uncompromising, relentless, ruthless, but highly skilled as well. So not just a modern-day great, but he's a great. And I would say, and I'd love your opinion on this, I think he could have played in any era, any yeah. era. Well, the way he plays as well. If you, you, The club's had the reservations on his physical well-being going into his career. The way he plays, he doesn't take a backward step. He's he's committed to the contest yeah. all the time. Comes off with uh, blood above the eyebrows all of the time. So he's an admir- admirable athlete um, and, and one of the best off the field as well as on. So a, a humble champion is you, the you, way I would describe it. You've played against him. What's that like? It's uh, it's pretty fierce. He he hates losing. Everyone, everyone dislikes losing. But the hatred of losing, and it's, it's nearly – he's like a – the way I, I used to see it, and Geelong, I, I loved playing Geelong. When you played Geelong, it was always a great battle. And Frio and Geelong had a, had a really good rivalry Absolutely. there for, for some time. It, and after a game, he'd be like a spoiled kid that hadn't been given the, the right toy or, 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 or been given um, an extra half an hour 
um, up late instead of, instead of being forced mm. to bed. He, he's like a spoiled kid when they lose. And, you know, it is what it is. Like, he is so committed to winning. Um, and that attitude has carried carried him through. And, and like I said, it's reflective of, of being uh, a modern-day champion. The greatest praise I've ever heard for him came from Greg Williams. And now I'm from Bendigo, and I sing that from the rooftops all the time. I'm proud of my hometown. I remember interviewing Greg Williams last year, or it might have been early this year, where I said, so the greatest ever come out of Bendigo Diesel, who... Joel Selwood might be knocking on your door, though, and he said, I would be honoured to share the mantle with him. Now, <laughs> coming from Diesel, the diesel. That, that is the yeah. highest praise that you could ever, ever wish to receive. Yeah, and it's it's one of those. I'm the same age as Joel. Played a school footy game against Joel. He was, was it Bendigo Secondary College? Bendigo Secondary College played Assumption College. And a mate of mine, yeah, obviously, at that age, like Joel Selwood's playing so well, someone's going to have to tag him. And uh, one of my poor mates got that that role, and he I think he did pretty well. I think Joel probably had about thirty five. Mm. <laughs> but, but my mate uh, has, you know, that's his claim to fame. Well, I attacked Joel Selwood when I was seventeen, and uh, did it relatively well. He only had thirty five, so uh, a great man. And the story lives on. What's he won? One, two, premier, uh, one three. premiership. Who Joel Selwood? Uh, Joel Selwood. Yeah, three. Three. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and no in Brownlow. his first year, so seven, nine, and eleven. What's his highest finish in a Brownlow? Second. Second. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, the year Gary Ablett won his second. Oh, okay, to, to 14. And it was only by a vote, I think, yeah. if, if memory serves. But he's yeah. ninth most votes all time. So yeah. when and, and there's, I think there's detractors and knockers of him because people don't like the fact that he um, initiates high contact, which yeah. there, there isn't. And, and that's frustrating, and I understand that. But there's an element of courage to that too, mm. to know that I, I will wear one. And he was just sort of ahead of the game on it. Yep. Um, everyone does it. Like, not everyone, but that, it, it's... If you're good enough at your craft, you do it, mm. and you find a way to to lift. It's the lift of the arm, isn't it? I'm trying to do it. It's not great for radio. Lift the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it to you. Yeah, you lift the you. arm, and, and you initiate the high contact, and um, yeah, you can see why he does polarize, because, and that that is a little bit because of his commitment and his ability to to just compete, uh, and that's uh, very admirable. By any means necessary, and I I think that there wouldn't be anybody of any team uh, or any fan or that wouldn't either want him playing for the club you support or a player that wouldn't want to play with him. Mm. And he's, he's the type of guy, like, off the field, is, like I've said, and I'll come back to this, the mark of a man, if you play 300-plus games and all those accolades you, you've attached to him, you have, you don't, no one has the right to be a big head. Mm. But Joel Selwood's probably one that does deserve it. But he's, he's a humble, humble man that um, mm. he's just a... A joy to continue to watch. Yep, a great footy family. Um, so Marie, Bryce would be very proud up in Bendigo. Uh, Father's Day today, of course, and uh, the three other brothers as well who have uh, had fantastic careers in their own right. Uh, Clint's in Ballarat who wants to have a quick yarn. G'day, Clint. G'day, guys. How you going? Very well. Thank you for asking. Oh, that's the way. The Tigers are spent for this season, as we know, but... We'll look out for the the Aboriginal Academy run by Eddie Betts at Richmond starting next season. That's the whisper. The rumour mill. There he is. He's uh, there. He is well, Eddie Betts to play. Eddie, Bet- Eddie Betts to play five games or seven games, so he qualifies to the finals. <laughs> and because of that, we're going to create an academy, the Aboriginal Academy, 
of Richmond Football Club. Well, Eddie Betts' signature is, is some something that everyone will be chasing, isn't it? So everyone yep. will be chasing Eddie Betts' signature. Like Sean Burgoyne. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be one to watch. The, the Sean Burgoyne, well, he's been already linked to um, Adelaide. And go back to Adelaide and, and all that. W- but wouldn't be a club with there that hasn't rang both of those people. Yeah, he's, well, uh, the, the, the poor blokes, their phones would be ringing. So the, that's why managers hang around sometimes uh, straight after your career finish because there's, there's some opportunities out there. And for Eddie and Sean, there is no going to be no shortage, shortage of opportunity. Sam. I know you won't want to talk about this, but social media blew up last night like never seen before over the umpiring. It needs to be talked about. Jeff in Safety Beach. Look, we did address that. Uh, Some people thought we were umpiring bashing in the first hour, Mick. What we said was there were moments in this game that could have gone either way, and we've never seen more of them in a short space of time. So what we went through is we dot-pointed all the moments that people would have seen, would have viewed one way or the other. They were coin-toss moments, and how you viewed them, uh, I think, is obviously in the eye of the beholder. The point we were making was there was just so many of them that could have gone either way and could have influenced the result. Um, and for both sides, those occurred. They weren't just umpiring decisions. They were just moments within the game. And some people viewed that as us umpire bashing. Some people viewed that as us not bashing the umpires like they think we should have. But these are some of the texts that have just come through. Um, afternoon, lads, just on the umpiring, I don't think the punters get too hung up on wrong decision. It's more when it's obvious that the umpires don't have any feel for the game and situation. That's from Carl and Essendon. Sorry, guys, but Harris Andrews, Mark, with four minutes to go and no 50 paid for the Bulldogs player running past him three metres away, not following a Brisbane player and not trying to move out of the area. Someone explained that to me. That was a howler. That's from Big Fella. Uh, Adrian on the sunny coast was at the game last night. Don't barrack for either team, but love the atmosphere and a great game. Lions robbed. The scores were level, so the last five minutes' decisions were crucial. Hi, guys. Love the replay. Just desserts for the dogs after a timekeeper stuff up cost us fourth anyway, which the AFL was disgracefully gutless to fix or even acknowledge. Underdog suits the doggies. Great win from Bernie. Uh, And in quotation marks, umpires don't determine the result of matches is the most misguided cliche in football. When the teams are subject to two different sets of rules in the same time, definitely determines the results. There are times that the teams can be so good that they can overcome the handicap of favourable umpiring to their opponents, e.g. Port v. Geelong last week. But when the teams are evenly matched, lopsided umpiring does determine the outcome. People are kidding themselves if they think the umpires cost Brisbane the game. Brisbane had to move an All-Australian to the forward line because their forward line wasn't working. I'm an Essendon fan. That's Steve. And it goes on, Mick. Uh, Hopefully, for their own sake, Port Adelaide has the good sense to ignore the umpiring jibber-jabber. Total distraction. I'm looking forward to a great game against the Dogs. You want to chime in? Dan McStay is a big loss. He's not a big name. Like He's not a big name to those that... Would you know pick pick up the or pick the remote up and just watch finals, watch Brisbane in finals. If you watch Brisbane week to week, the Dan McStay magnet is crucial. Last week, Jake Lever was the one I, th- I felt like he could, um, you know, he could occupy. It's an occupy, maybe kick mm. a goal or two, but occupy Jake Lever. As soon as McStay goes out, Jake Lever has a field day. Yep. And last night, like like the the text says. Harris Andrews had to go for they couldn't yeah, find the because Payne got Payne subbed out. Down. And yeah. Jared Berry went down, so they the one short there. Uh, did you see the point that was called out on the full? Hit the post. Might be wrong, but I was sure it was a point for the Lions in the last quarter. I think that's referring to McCluggage, and I've gone and watched it a few times. My first view was that it was a point, but I actually think it was out of bounds on the full. Um, Bont had a goal stolen off him by the score review. Umpire's call was a goal, and it took 10-plus reviews to overturn the decision. It was not distinctly clear. I actually agree with that one too. I was surprised that it got overturned. And again, the technology that we use, just not good enough to make sure that those things are beyond reproach. 
Uh, don't mean to be rude, but you're sounding hypocritical. You can't say you want to promote the respect of umpires and then spend the next 10 minutes discussing contentious umpiring decisions. It's not fair and only pr- promotes the culture of disrespecting umpires. If that's how you heard that, we absolutely wasn't our intention, Michael Barlow. Mm. I think we were both really clear at the start that we're not in the camp that says... No. It's the umpires that cost people games. We look at things like inside 50 camp, which the Lions had plus 14 in. And, you know, we look at the, the four-goal run that the dogs went on and, and yep. you know, things like that. But if that's how we've come across, certainly not our intention. No, absolutely. And uh, a quick one. And We just wanted to raise the moments. Look. Can, can uh, umpires, um, they have to wear their socks up and tuck their, tuck their shirt in, I'd imagine. I believe I so. reckon the look... It would help if they just untucked the, the shirt. Right? This is just my. I was watching last night. I was like, I reckon they just have a little bit more clout and a, be a bit cooler if they just untuck the shirt. Mm. I don't mind the socks are, just untuck. What about just uh, what in about, the preseason? What about tank it? top? <laughs> well, out. yeah, well, they, a couple would like it. Our man Ray Chamberlain, he would really like that. But um, no, not umpire bashing at all. I, I thought, yeah, Friday night, uh, it was it was very noticeable. To my, last night, I was just enthralled, enthralled in the action. And last night's yep. game, uh, the fact it's such a close game magnifies people's opinions of, Absolutely. of big moments. Uh, if you have the replay on Sam and Mick, please look out for Harris Andrews' mark with 4.4 uh, remaining in the last four minutes, 40 remaining in the last. He marks 70 metres out. Watch and explain to me how it was not a 50 paid. The Bulldogs player encroaching on the mark. Uh, how many set shots for goal did the line miss? That's from John in one turn of south. Great point. They had, a few had some moments. They had opportunities. McCarthy, McCluggage, Andrews, late, so... The yep. opportunities are there. You, you take your moments. Yeah, well, and we've talked about Lockie Neal maybe taking that uh, out of that, that uh, uh, what's it called again? Oh. Insufficient intent ruling against Daniel, uh, which was dubious. So, so Lockie Neal likes to get the ball, and he ran over and got the ball. Dane Swan had a nice tweet. I was just reading the Neal with the greatest pretend to give to Charlie of all time once he'd realised he mucked up. Absolutely never wanted to give that up. Which I would agree with Dane on that one. And the last one, the umpiring was just as bad against the Bulldogs. Caleb's out-of-bounds shocker and Bont's goal that was disallowed because of the guessing. Them, the no-paying of the holding the ball. That's from Jason in Geelong. So it's fascinating, isn't it? We all watch the same game and we all come away with so many different takeaways and so many different viewpoints Mm. of those critical moments. And we only went through, Mickey B, we only went through the last five and a half minutes and and I'll just count them out. Uh, One... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen moments that we detailed in the last five and a half oh, minutes yeah. that were 50 50 moments. And uh, bring on the prelims. Bring on the preliminary finals. Beautiful throw from you. That's called Radio Craft. That is craft. Uh, what we hear. Uh, we wouldn't know. But after this, prelim finals, let's have a quick and early look at them. There's some selection. Got it sorted. Got it sorted. So, there's some selection issues that confront the Bulldogs. Uh, we'll have a look at what Port Adelaide do. Does Mitch Georgiades come back in? Uh, and then Geelong and Melbourne, the other game as well. Uh, this is Sunday Crunch Time. We do it all for Athena Homelines. Check out the super low homeline rate at athena.com.au. Wonderful to have your company on this Father's Day. I hope you've all spoilt your dads or remembered your dads if they're no longer with us. Uh, if you wanted to give a shout-out uh, to your old man, uh, please do so, Mickey B. Yeah, big shout-out to Herb. He'll be in Warnable probably prepping dinner. You know, parents, when they get to that age, he's probably 65. Right. He probably, I shouldn't say that. He's 65 plus. Yep. They spend their whole day prepping for dinner, which takes about four minutes to eat. <laughs> so... 
Shout out to Herb. The early bird. <laughs> the early bird special. I sent him a book which hasn't arrived yet. Uh, happy Father's Day to Pete too. Uh, my old man. Uh, he's my hero. I love him dearly. Um, Prepping dinner. This is a beautiful. I mentioned Father's Day because this is a, a beautiful message that's come through uh, off the text. Uh, I'm a very emotional Melbourne member. My dad was 14 when Melbourne won its last flag. He passed away a week before round one this year. I reckon he's pulling some strings upstairs. The thought of not being with my brothers for this week and potentially the week after is hard, but please get around the Ds, everyone. Now, that's from Luke in Bendigo, uh, a, a bloke that I know really well, and his brother's uh, one of my really good mates, and, and Luke is a good mate of mine as well. And um, Luke, thinking of you, I know uh, it won't be exactly the same, um, but... Uh, I'm feeling for you, thinking of you, and um, we are. I think everybody is hoping that doesn't have a dog in the the, the race is hoping that uh, mm. that Melbourne can get that first win since 1964. And um, I'm thinking of you, buddy. There's some stories uh, associated with Melbourne, isn't it? That it should be a, a home prelim at the MCG. Just wrap your head around that. Instead, it's at Optus Stadium, and that that'll, that'll do a great job of it. But a lot of Melbourne supporters, of which. It's, they're a team that you only figure out some mates barrack for Melbourne when you know they become to prominence. <laughs> I, I've figured out that a couple of my really good mates are Melbourne supporters back in 2019 when they went on that run. Hopefully they can sharpen up. 2018. A, 2018, yep. sorry. Hopefully they can sharpen up and have a bit of a, bit of a better run into the uh, first half than they did in that year. They only kicked uh, 0-6 to West Coast, 10-9 to half time in that prelim. So hopefully they pull their socks up and get moving for all the Melbourne supporters. So quick early look, and after we do these, we'll um, we'll have a, a go through some of the other things that are making news in footy. Um, a quick early look at these prelims. So Friday night, Optus Stadium, which, by the way, well done to our uh, Perth listeners, our WA listeners, for two non-Western Australian teams, they got over 40,000 here. Yeah. That is – and, and not that it was ever in doubt, but if you ever had any doubt, if you, if you were just so one-eyed of your own state that you weren't aware of the rich footballing tradition That's and history joint. in WA, which you would know all too well, Michael Barlow being uh, uh, one of the 25 uh, in the past 25 uh, of the Fremantle Footy Club – they are as passionate about the game overall as anybody. 40,000 yeah. for t- two non-WA so, teams. 44. It's a great stadium and a, a great town. Like It is just a, a brilliant joint. And the nostalgia associated with my life to Western Australia is uh, is pretty special. I know I've obviously got a lot of connections there that this they're, they're pumped for what's happening there right now. And, and so they should be. And it's going to be a, a Brilliant spectacle over the next couple of weeks. So Melbourne, Geelong, Friday night. Expecting many changes from either team, and and what are your expectations for the game itself? Well, Parfit goes out, doesn't he? So yeah, he the, does. the Parfit magnet goes out for the Narkel? Cats. It's Narkel. It's so Zach Guthrie is a sub, but like for like, it's Narkel. It's Higgins. Those those magnets are the, are the ones I think uh, uh, on the on the precipice of selection going into this week. I'd suggest Narkel. I, I can't see why he's not in the side. He mm. gives them something. That they don't have just that yeah. little bit of spark, that yep. little bit of bit of offensive energy that that uh, that bursts. So he's he's one that I would be putting in. But again, people can sit back and that aren't aware of the day to day operations of what happens at the Geelong Footy Club uh, and and say why isn't he in? Which I do at times. But there, there's reasons for it. There's reasons for it. And um, you know, he's one. I think I think he comes in for Parfit for my Melbourne unchanged. You'd think you'd, you'd imagine. So I I'm, no, I'm going to make a call on this one. I think there's a change going to be happening at the Demons. Smith will go out and Hibbard will come in. My, my take on... Even with the, the Rowan Cameron, uh, mm. Rowan Cameron Hawkins. Yeah. Because I, they want to leave one they, of they May or Lever Petty, unaccountable, don't Petty they? Petty Lever May. 
Um, they, they've got enough there. I'm looking a little bit, not not ahead. I'm looking at the matchup against Port Adelaide. If, it, if it's horses for courses, you're right, right Sammy. Great call. And we're sitting on match committee right now. If it's horses for courses, maybe Smith does play and they go a bit more top-heavy. But if they win and proceed and play Port Adelaide, I think there's a necessity to play that extra small defender to, to lock down your, your Fantasias, your Greys, um, your Butters and the likes. And that's Hibbard for mine. Early tip, just quickly, Melbourne for you? Without yeah, Melbourne teams. for mine. Mel- yep. Melbourne for mine and uh, in, in the flipper. Um, yeah, it's it's the two teams that have gone through Port Adelaide and Melbourne for mine. So quickly mine. with Port Adelaide, the two biggest selection issues are going to be one for Port Adelaide. Does Mitch Georgiades, who kicked their second most goals, more marks inside 50 per game average uh, and more tackles inside 50 per game average than any other player for Port, does he come back in coming off a game where that Ford six looked uh, better than they have all year? Do they go with – it's either Marshall or Georgiades. Mm. Who are you taking? Well, they're, they're wedded to, to Marshall, aren't they? They love Marshall for, for years. Our man Kane Corns just couldn't wrap his head around for, for a long time how the Marshall situation always mm. – but he's in and his magnet's not going anywhere. So I, I think George Yardis is, is stiff. And it's one of those ones, oh, does he come in for the grand final? But all things indicate if they go through the grand final, the team plays pretty well and you probably go unchanged unless there's an injury. So, yeah, George Yardis I think is going to be stiff. Who comes in – for uh, Cody Waitman. Cody Waitman. I think it's it's as simple as jo- Jason Johansson. I think he's in the best side. And... Mitch Wallace injury sub. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You can't. I just this situation. We, 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 we will only it. find out exactly what's going on with Mitch Wallace when he possibly leaves. What well, is he? It, contracted it is next just. Year? A, he's vice captain, but mm. has barely had a look this year. And and with all due respect to the man that kicked. The point that won them the game last shinned night, it. by the way, yeah, shin the point that won. But but Massage great footy it. presence to know that he had to get rid of that. It, 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 and 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 again, I, I, this is your domain, not so much mine. But can do you? Does it sit right to you that Latham Vandermeer is a better player than Mitch Wallace? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I sat through my last year at the Suns was. I was very adamant. Like, can we just play our best players? Like, it's when, but. And you feel like it's not happening and there's a bit about the look to the future and there's elements of, of speed and skill and, and whatnot. And on reflection, you, you do understand that. Oh, I see the – and we had a, had a chat off air about this. I feel like Leith Vandermeer plays because he brings – people who will look and be like, oh, Leith Vandermeer, seven possessions, you know, one point. It, it's a mix. It's, a, it's, it's about getting your right mix and putting the pieces of the puzzle together to make sure – Everything can fire. So late Vandermeer would understand he's in that side for his speed and, and defensive Pressure tenacity and... to get, you know, spills and give others opportunity yep. and, and make the most of his opportunities when they come. So I'm 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 a Vandermeer man. Gotta to get to a break. This is my last question. Who does Willem Drew go to for the Western Bulldogs and who does Josh Dunkley sit on uh for from uh, for the dogs uh, for Port Adelaide? Ooh, so Willem Drew the the Given that Bond, que- given the yeah. Bond has a question mark over it. Yeah, we have a look last night. Oh, well, we have a look at the impact um, Jack McRae had last night. Um, Adam Cooney summed it up very well. That's why he's one of the best in the business in terms of the special mm. comments man. He's, it was a big game. It was a 35-plus possession game for, for Jack McRae, but he, he utilised the ball very well. Sometimes that's not the case. You can have 40 and, and you know, be a distributor and not have a huge impact on the game. Oh, I see Libertore as the one, and 
it's a copycat league and, and clubs go to work on what's worked in the past. And when clubs have put work into Tom Liberatore at the, at the source and taken away, you know, if you take him from 10 clearances down to four, that then takes away that second, third possession of the doggy's chain. So make someone else hurt you that, that, um, that you're not expecting. So I would go to, to Tom Liberatore at the source. 18 and under possessions for Libba, they're one and three. Mm. So you're right. That's he's incredibly important as a as a first touch clearance player. All right, we're going to go through some quick fire questions. Plenty of other things making news around the competition as well. Michael Barlow's just given us an early look at those prelims, but we will just go through every other little bit of detail as we cast our eyes a bit further around the competition on Sunday crunch time for Athena Home Loans. Check out super low home loan rates at athena.com.au. My first question to you after this, Michael Barlow, will be. The Joel Selwood clearance at the MRO in comparison to Toby Green. This is and your view on that after this. Sam Hargraves, Michael Barlow with you for Sunday crunch time. We do it all for Athena Home Loans. Check out the super low home loan rates at athena.com.au. Michael Barlow, some quick fire questions for rolled family made Vietnamese served fast and fresh. Let's start with the MRO. Uh, so both Tom Hawkins and Joel Selwood cleared. Um, from the game uh, on Friday night against the Giants. And this is the one I want to have a close look at with you. The incident between Geelong's Joel Selwood and the Giants, Josh Kelly from the third quarter, Friday night semi, blah, 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 blah. Selwood was in possession of the ball on the halfback flank for Geelong, and he's met by Kelly. Selwood raises his arm, defend, and high contact occurs. It was the view of the MRO that there was insufficient forceful high contact to constitute a reportable offence. No further action was taken. This is the exact same motion and action that Toby Green uh, appealed and was, um, in the end, left stranded with a suspension. So he went from two to one, didn't he? Went from two to one, but still um, missed that game uh, from the fend on Paddy Dangerfield. What is the difference? The difference is that Giles, uh, not Giles, what it was, Paddy Dangerfield goes off and misses the rest of the match mm-hmm. and uh, has a throat Injury, and I reckon. Well, I don't reckon. On my belief, is there was a fair bit more. Is, is intent the right word? Like it, Toby Green picked the ball, made the eye contact, and the velocity of elbow to, to throat was more significant than Joss Elwood's was offended to the to the throat, and I don't think it would have bruised a grape. You don't think it would have bruised a so. My question is, for what it looks to looks at first glance to me, without slowing it down, just look at them both in real time, the exact same motion, yeah, different yeah. outcomes. So why are we so hell-bent on, uh, on dictating outcome, penalties yeah. based on the outcome rather than the action when, in Toby Green's case, it was argued that the uh, possibility of inflicting further damage mm. was so great? So why was that relevant in the Toby Green case but not relevant in the Joel? So, by the way, I don't think either should yeah. be suspended, but why, oh, why are these looked at so differently? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great call. And I'm, I'm in your camp in terms of we've got to shift from the judgment of what's the outcome of the, the player that's been impacted upon and actually just let's judge the action. So, yeah, I, I think the Toby Green action, and, and this is where we would disagree, the Toby Green action against Paddy Dangerfield to get the weak there were, I feel like there was malice and some intent to to fend and, and fend with some, you know, vigor to to the to the upper to the head essentially to the to the throat. Whereas the Joel Selwood's a reflex with less 
less impact, less force, a lot less force, and free kick paid, no worries, but no suspension required. If you don't fend with vigour, how do you break the tackle? If you fend, you fend with vigour, with great technique, and to Ooh. the chest. Uh-huh. If you don't, both you give away a free th- kick. Both these got and throat. if you give... They got throat. But absolutely, Toby Green's has got 200, two times the force, is my opinion on, on that. Two times the force, which, which mm. has been... So it, with, it, it would, that Paddy sends Dashford. a message to say, do whatever you want on the field as long as you don't do it very hard. So you can hit someone as long as you don't hit them hard. You can elbow someone as long as you don't elbow them hard. You can do anything you want as long as you don't do it hard. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you that we've got to get rid of the, the fact that, okay, whatever happened, okay, oh, he's knocked out and concussed, so that's, that's weak. Now we're taking it. Yeah, we've got to take that away. Mm. And start to to really judge actions on, on you know what what the action is. And I, my take on the the Toby Green one is that he's he doesn't do things by mistake. Sometimes Toby, I don't think he does things by mistake at all. And that Paddy Dangerfield thing, is he trying to kill him? No, but I reckon he knew. I'm not. I don't reckon. I I know that he knew what was coming and how how he was going to to brace himself and. In, in the moment, he's got to make better decisions. Toby. I'm going to move on to another one before you start throwing things at me. Uh, Ross Lyon has now uh, pulled out of the Carlton job. Uh, what happens next for the Blues? So this is keeping up with that. Would you? This is one of the more extraordinary <laughs> situations I think we've seen uh, in a long time. The process that was happening before the process, Ross seemed to think that he was actually offered the job when uh, once Luke Sayers uh, went back to the board and. It then turned out that there were certain members of the board that didn't want him there, and now they announced the panel. Ross then has to ring up for clarification, and now when he realises that he'll have to go through the extensive the process, process, he wasn't getting the offer as Clarkson was, he says thanks but no thanks. He protected himself a little bit over the last seven days, I think, Ross Lyon, on his various media platforms, that the situation was was getting to – it was Ross's to lose. And I think that would have still been the case mm. with the process. Did they have a discussion, say, we want you to go through the process, all that – but did they have that discussion that you're going to be the man, but we need to have a process? Was Ross comfortable with that? And he was pretty staunch. Well, not pretty. He was very staunch on the fact that 13 years, the record speaks for itself. I'm here and I'm starting to, to put my hand up to say I'm willing. And if you, if you want to accept that, then let's get to work. So once that situation became, okay, have Carlton balked and said, oh, we need to be seen to be doing a process, doing our due diligence, which of course they're going to do, um, but, yeah, Ross Lyon jumps out of bed with them. And now, whose is it? Not sure. What's the word? Should clubs hire you based on what you did at another club or should they hire you based on what you will do at their club? Oh. Well, you're trying to get the best person for the job, aren't you? Great so question, it, Sam. Great. It, 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 yeah, thank good, you. It's a great question of which I would say if you are the best in the field, which Alistair Clarkson is the best. So what he has done at, yep. at other clubs, you, you're thinking – that's that's transferable to what you can do at that club. So it's 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 one and the same, isn't it? What they've done at another club, they should be able to implement mm. at that club. It's all about culture and and and, and values and and behaviour setting, of which these guys do really well. And Clarkson and Lyon for mine are the two standouts. It'll be interesting to see where Carlton go with it. Plenty more that we're going to throw at Michael Barlow on the other side of this. More. You can get involved, 0433 more. 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. And just off the text... You don't think Selwood knew he was going to hurt the tackler? 
boom, uh, that's come through as well. Uh, the rapid-fire questions are all for rolled. Family-made Vietnamese surf, served fast and fresh. Uh, we'll continue after this on Sunday Crunch Time. Uh, we've got about six minutes left to spend with you, and thank you for doing so with us uh, on a Sunday afternoon for Sunday Crunch Time. Athena Home Loans, check out the super low home loan rates at athena.com.au. Michael Barlow. Um, as we continue to go through what's been making news for chicane, trade quality hand tools, this isn't going to be the biggest story once the season has finished, apart from trade week and draft, and that is the approach of the AFL and the AFLPA around and whatever ruling they come down with in regards to vaccinating players for next season. So the AFL, Gil McLaughlin spoke a couple of days ago and said we've got to be really careful in this space. There's a whole lot to weigh up. Uh, the AFLPA, uh, we believe, are not keen on making it mandatory for all players. We're seeing this play out in the NFL. NFL. Cam Newton just lost his job lost because, job. Of, uh, because of his unwillingness uh, to, to get vaccinated. We've seen some NFL teams who have in, themselves internally employed a we will be fully vaccinated while other teams haven't. And then how do you then legislate around that? Um, where do you think this is heading? Well, yeah, it's it's a it's going to be a tricky one and a sticky one as to how they handle it. What is clearly the majority will get get vaccinated. Mm. I would suggest you put a hundred AFL players up, ninety nine are doing it. So, Maybe a hundred in, in each sample size. There's there's probably only going to be single digits. I would imagine that may may choose not to, which makes it a little bit easier. Whereas in the NFL discussion, Americans are a little bit they're wired a little bit differently. There's there's a more a bigger chunk, isn't there? So, so with that, and how good was it to see the college football season started oh, on the weekend? Yeah. Full grandstands, traditions that we haven't seen for two years. Uh, back in vote in Iowa, they they turn and wave in unison to the children's hospital. They're all shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm. Is it unfair though? If because if as Dan Andrews said in Victoria yesterday, that if you're going to want to go to the footy. Um, his belief is that you'll need to be vaccinated to do it or go to the pub. They might have a lockout policy. So is it fair to ask everybody going to the game to be fully vaccinated when the players don't have to be? Ah, Sammy, Sammy, you're hitting the hard ones on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, and I might, and I'm just I might, leaving you. I'm just I'm, leaving but you I, might, I might be simplistic in this in this in this approach that, and and you're you, you're skewed by your own thoughts and your own. Own views. Like, I want to go to the pub and mm. I want to go to the footy. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I want to see my family. Yeah. So all, all that kind of marries up to, to get, getting vaccinated. Yeah. And this is I not think, a political thing, by the way. Watch the abuse will come through yeah, from people who can't have a conversation. They need to just throw the abuse. Um, and, it, it will if, come through. But. If we've got to protect the games and we've got to, we want to continue having crowds at games and, and continuity of playing and, and all of that, mm. then my, my belief is. To, to walk to the door and, and watch watch um, AFL matches, you, you'd need to be vaccinated. Who's the coach of the year? Simon Goodwin. Everyone, people were thinking Simon Goodwin's job was was under the pump going mm. into the season, and he sits there pretty comfortably in a prelim. Um, yeah, one foot into a grand final. Craig McRae, how good of an appointment is this for Collingwood? Loved his uh, press conference. If you, if you haven't watched his pet press conference, go go back and watch yep. it. it. It's his one-word answers are great. He gets asked questions about the instability of the board, and he just goes, "No, no, mm. not interested. I'm here to do the job." Unflappable uh, and a, a good appointment. And gee whiz, they, they keep coming from from that Brisbane era, don't they? Um, a man that you and I both know very well, Simon Black, was a former teammate of his. I just rang him during the week and said, "Just tell me a little bit." 
And some of the things that stood out for me are being around Craig McRae leaves you feeling so much better about who you are and what you're doing. He's someone who gets the best out of the people around him. Um, he is um, he is someone who builds people up rather than tears them down. Um, he he just was effusive in the praise that he gave to Craig McRae and what he will bring um, as a coach. And as he said in his presentation, winning is in his DNA. He's been mentored by some of the greatest coaches, not just in our game, but Craig Bellamy uh, at the Melbourne Storm as well. He's got a real keen eye for development and a, and a real focus on development. Um, and Michael Barlow, tell me this about coaches that you've experienced in your time. Those who were role players in successful teams. So he was the very first, he and probably Ben Dixon, the two very first pressure forwards that we ever really saw who sacrificed their own um, stats and numbers to make sure. Who was the other one you said? Ben Dixon. Yeah. Ben Dixon, Craig McRae were the first to ever really that I can remember doing it. So if your experience with coaches that the ones who played key roles but were role players in successful eras make for great coaches. Yeah, absolutely. and Because they, they understand the sacrifice and the different nuances of being an mm. AFL player. So he understands, you know, because he, he, he has good, great games. In that role, you still have games where you kick three or four or five goals, which Craig McRae did. But he also understands, oh, I've got to go play a defensive forward role. I've got to play that role where I'm going to walk off with six touches and hopefully 10 tackles and play my role for the team. So understanding the aspects of what the stars want or what the star, what's required of the stars, what's required of the role players. Because AFL football is made up of, of role, roles, playing your mm. role right and, and, and committing to the team's needs or, or submitting to the team's needs. So there's no there's no surprise that um, you know it is these players that, that play the game that come into that coaching space that have a holistic understanding of the game like Craig McCray does. And is that because as a player, they knew that stars need to be stars, so they take that into their coach. But as a coach, they also can empathise with and connect with the 22nd and the 44th player and and everybody that's on that list because they have not not always a similar experience. He's a three-time premiership player, but there is that ability to connect and understand and feel like he's a coach who knows what I'm going through. Yeah, and I've found that at the VFL level and very young, very early in the infant stages of my coaching career, understanding the life experiences you've had will hold you in great um, great stead to be a great coach. It's all about you've sat in delisting meetings and you've been delisted. So when you're sitting in those discussions, you actually have an a form, uh, a form of empathy for um, that player. But you've also you know, been in high-performing environments and understand what, what the stars want as well. So it's been a great two hours, um, Sam, and you haven't you haven't left me... You know, you've, you've been hard on me this morning, so I'm looking forward to a nice rest this, you've, this afternoon. You've done it beautifully. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. We'll speak to you again very soon. Stay safe. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.